Welcome to Memphis Metropolis on WYXR 91.7 FM. I'm your host, Emily Trenum. Memphis Metropolis is all about our city as an urban place, including its neighborhoods, buildings, pathways, and parks, as well as the people who shape it. Join us each week as community leaders and commentators talk with me about our shared built environment. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Memphis Metropolis on WYXR 91.7 FM. I've been off a few weeks dealing with some family stuff, uh, but I'm back and happy to be so. I've missed, I have my my little audio set up in my, what's essentially a laundry room, a laundry room closet in my house. And I walk by my mic every, you know, several times a day and have really missed coming on the show. So, um, Anyway, happy to be back. So this week, um, I'm delighted to welcome Lauren Bermudez, who is the Transportation Program Manager at Downtown Memphis Commission. So welcome to Memphis Metropolis. Yeah, thanks so much, Emily. Happy to be here. So there's, I feel like there's been, of course, we've got a lot of transit challenges in Memphis, which we've talked about in Memphis Metropolis. And Memphis, MATA and its partners have been trying to address that in a number of different ways. And some of them are things that we've seen in other communities, like MATA has a proposed kind of a bus rapid transit light um, project coming that I hope we can talk about on a future show. But one program that we're going to talk about today is actually, I think, you know, innovative and kind of custom for Memphis. And that is the Groove On Demand Shuttle. And so we're going to talk about that. And to Lauren, give us the, just to kick things off, um, I feel like, you know, people have probably, some people have heard about it, but don't really know what it is. And if you're not the the, if you're not the target customer, you might not have paid a lot of attention to it, but it's important. So, so tell us about yeah. the Groove On Demand Shuttle. Yeah, totally. Um, it, it's, it's a really cool service for Memphis. It operates like a mini bus uh, that acts like transit and comes to get you where you want and when you want within certain restrictions, including the geography and the operating hours, of course. Uh, if you've ever used a Lyft or Uber, then you have had a similar experience to Groove On Demand. Essentially, it operates in what was originally an eight kind of square mile zone downtown. We've just updated the zone to 12 miles. And uh, you can hail a ride to use the service through an app or by calling the service phone number, so by phone or by app. Um, And it comes to get you. So you might walk a block or two to a pickup location, and that helps the app uh, be a little bit more streamlined as far as not driving down every single side street to pick you up at your direct doorstep. Uh, So you walk a couple blocks, and then you get to your location, and uh, that's your trip. So where is the geography that this is serving at the moment? Yeah, it's downtown mostly, uh, and includes the medical district, Mud Island, Harbor Town, the new Chicago neighborhood of North Memphis. And we've just recently expanded to include some of South City in the South Memphis area near Stacks and Lemoyne and College. Okay, I didn't know that. So what's the, um, I mean, maybe this is a dumb question, but how did you decide what neighborhoods to to start off in? Yeah, no, that's, that's a great question. Um, 
one of the things that we were looking at with the service was how do we add value to people's lives uh, and fill in a gap with this transit service that hasn't already been filled through conventional um, bus stops, you know, a conventional bus ride. If you've ever been on a bus, you know, you walk to the stop, you wait for the scheduled time, you get on the bus and then you have a choice of where you get off, but it's going to be on the bus route. You can't just go anywhere. So Groove On Demand is different because it, it picks you up. You put in your location on the app. It drops you off to where you want to go and you can go at any time. You don't have to wait for the scheduled, you know, 15 minute, 30 minute designated time when the bus comes by. So what we were looking at is how do we how do we serve these neighborhoods of downtown, make it easier for commuters to get around, maybe to park off site and to use our existing parking supply uh, and then be able to get into work easily without you know putting a strain on them if they're parking further away. How do we fill in where conventional transit lines aren't maybe meeting the full demand of the residents in a neighborhood. So New Chicago, for instance, if you have fewer conventional scheduled bus routes, you know, Grieve on Demand is a solution that lets people move north and south and east and west and connect to downtown in the medical district without having to get to that conventional bus route. Uh, and then the same for in the South Memphis neighborhoods as well. We also looked at um, where there were hotspots of or where there were densities of residents living, uh, residents including students, employees, uh, groups of people that were commuting into downtown from nearby neighborhoods, but not quite accessible through the conventional existing bus transit as we had it. And so we've seen a lot of people coming in to commute for work, people running errands and going to the grocery stores and people using it for entertainment. So you can use it as a point-to-point -point anywhere within the zone. You don't have to go um, to or from downtown or the medical district. Correct. Yes. So is that, you know, in terms of transit, we talk about, you know, in Memphis and I'm sure other places, you know, basically two kinds of riders, um, you know, the the riders who don't have, don't have uh, cars or who are, um, you know, need the bus to get around. And then the so-called choice riders, like you have in other cities, a lot of people ride the bus um, because they, it's convenient, it's easy, mm -hmm. it's frequent. And, you know, Memphis has mostly um, the former, less the latter. And is this service um, primarily targeted at people who have transportation challenges or um, is it really, for, I mean, I'm sure it's for everybody. I don't mean to suggest it wouldn't be for everybody, but what it, but is it, um, particularly trying to help that help people that have transportation challenges? Yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of both. Uh, hopefully we're, we're getting, you know, rider ridership from both types of groups, both categories. Um, I myself don't have a car, but my family does. My husband and I, we share a car. So I take the bus or walk or ride my bike most of the time when I'm trying to get where I'm going. Groove on Demand has been a great solution for you know a household like mine, where I can run errands and things like that without having that strain of not having a car. But we do also see people using it who are more of the choice rider, or that you know might have a car or reliable transportation at home that they can use, 
But the convenience of Groove On Demand, of not having to find a parking spot, of not needing to worry about moving your car if you want to go to lunch or something during the day and then coming back and not being able to park and come back to work. Uh, we see we see a lot of use in that type of situation, but it's also a great solution for people who might have transportation insecurities where, you know, you're not sure how you'll make your next medical appointment. Or if you miss the bus, you know, is your are you going to be in jeopardy of getting to your job on time? Yeah, I can certainly see that it would be incredibly helpful. So, so um, I should have asked this at the beginning, but remind us what the what the hours are and then what the cost is for the rider. Yeah, of course. Uh, right now, um, it's 7 a.m. to 9 p.m., Monday through Friday. And we actually just added an hour. It was until 8 p.m. Uh, and then the cost is $1.25 for your average rider. There are uh, concessions on the pricing for seniors, people with disabilities and students, but every rider who signs up for the Groove On Demand app gets their first 10 rides for free. Okay, that's pretty great. Yeah. And is the and, and and I guess the um the desire is to expand it um throughout the throughout the community or to to additional neighborhoods in the in the core of the city. Correct. Yeah, we we're we're waiting and seeing. Uh, right now, you know, we're in our first pilot year of the program, and uh, it's exciting. We we hope to see more and more zones of services like Groove on Demand. Mata just launched one uh, today, actually, I believe, a new transit service that's an on-demand reservation service called Ready with an exclamation point at the end. Uh, so we're going to see more and more on-demand transit like this in Memphis. Well, I was, I was, I saw that and actually was thinking that I, I might be suffering a little bit of brand confusion at this point mm -hmm. because, I mean, there's the Groove Shuttle, which is the original, I mean, the Groove, the Groove Shuttle, which the medical district uses to, bring people, uh, the Groove On Demand shuttle did not replace that, did it? Well, sort of it did, actually. That that first shuttle, the original Groove shuttle that you're talking about, was that kind of fixed route conventional service. You walk to the bus stop, you wait, and then it picks you up and takes you into the medical district or downtown. And that was really for commuters uh, and students. That's who that was marketed to. What we did with this service was look for ways to make that original Groove shuttle bus uh, more convenient, more accessible, and easier for more people to use. Okay. So, okay. So this is essentially um, the Groove Shuttle 2.0. 2.0. Um, the, okay. I just was sort of confused. Like there's all these shuttles and which is which. Yeah. And, and um, I mean, of course it's good to see Memphis. So, so I'm not one of those people that thinks transit need to pay for itself. I mean, in some level, right. I feel like in a city like Memphis transit, I'd be free. Um, but, um, but having said that this services like this sound like they're expensive and a lot of times there's, you know, grant funding on the, you know, innovation grants on the front end to help get this kind of thing up, um, and running and but what does the, you know, other places that have done this, um, like what is the, what is the, um, what's the business plan? I mean, you may not know. I mean, I'm sure you're, it, it, this is a pilot, but right. what's the business plan to make it, um, 
you know, to just to be able to continue. I mean, I, as a person who's applied for a lot of grants, I really hate it when they say like, how is this going to be sustainable? So I don't right. mean to have that kind of a gotcha question, but it's a natural question when you look at these kind of innovations, which right. are great. Um, well, you know, hopefully they'll be able to continue. Right. Transit is always going to be a, a subsidized public service, no matter where you are. Uh, I have no idea that there's any transit service that pays for itself completely with fare box revenue. And that means what people pay for a ticket. Um, so that, that's just not, you know, it's not something that you would really aspire to. Most of the time transit is funded through the federal transit administration. That's the federal transit authority and they you know, grants from them as well as local grants and matching funds. So that's what we have here as a model for Groove on Demand as well. So, so, um, so hopefully, I mean, but, but, but having said that, you know, local government has not stepped up to the plate to support MATA the way it needs to for a variety of reasons we don't have time to go into today, but, sure. um, yeah. but, but maybe, well, and let's, let's, um, so let's talk about, well, let me first, let's, this is, seems like a good point to re, to, to reintroduce you. So if you're just joining us, you're listening to Memphis Metropolis and WYXR 91.7 FM. And we're talking to Lauren Bermudez, who is the transportation program manager at downtown Memphis commission. And we're talking about a new um, groove on demand shuttle service uh, so, so Lauren, we didn't talk at the beginning. Also, I probably should ask at the beginning. There's a bunch of partners um, that help make this happen. So, talk about the partners and how you know the process of sort of innovating this and thinking about here's the challenges, here's ways we we think we can address them. Yeah. Well, our partners are uh, the Memphis Area Transit Authority and the Memphis Medical District Collaborative. Uh, MATA has provided a lot of expertise and a lot of funding through their uh, grants and allocations with, uh, the, for instance, the FTA. And then uh, the DMC, the Downtown Memphis Commission, we're the managing partner. So we're looking at the day-to-day operations. Uh, VIA Enterprises uh, is the technology partner, and they are a company that runs services like this around the globe. So they provide the software, the online platform, and they helped us really get it off the ground. It was very much uh, a turnkey service with them. So they've been great partners for us. So isn't VIA a a subsidiary of Uber or was it one time? Because I think I've used VIA maybe in California where instead of you know, calling an Uber, I called it via instead, and there were other people in the car, but it was still point to point. Yeah, actually, I'm not sure. I don't know about via being part of a subsidiary of Uber or Lyft. Okay, I could be wrong. So, um, so who's what are the different um, what are the different roles of the partners? I mean, you mentioned Mata, but elaborate on that a little bit. Yeah, uh, MATA is, uh, well, we meet each week to discuss the service and MATA, MMDC, and the DMC and VIA. Uh, so we're all very much, uh, you know, at the table every week to discuss and make sure that we're hitting our benchmarks. Uh, everyone is helping uh, keep the service on track. MATA has been great with, uh, you know, their expertise as far as routes uh, or not routes because it is uh, a flex route service, but um, geography times, uh, we based the 
fair price, the amount you pay to take a trip. We base that on original MATA pricing before COVID-19. And then MMDC has been helpful as well with managing our communications and marketing and helping to get that out within the medical district. And then the DMC manages the uh, more daily kind of go-to questions, anything that we hear about from riders, questions that we have about ridership, interactions with the VIA team, and so on. How many people um, How many people fit in the vehicle? What, what's the vehicle size? Yeah, so it is It is a shared transit, like I said, a mini bus. So we're, the vehicles themselves are, are 2020 to 2021 Chrysler Pacifica vans, and they're branded. So if you see one down the street, you'll know it. It has a huge branding logo, Groove On Demand. They look great. Uh, They fit six passengers with COVID because this service started in February of 2021. Uh, We've capped the max number of riders to three per trip. And so so the drivers will pick up a number of people at one time and then take them all to their destinations. Right. How How many shuttles are there? There's four in service. Uh, and it is actually a super efficient number, which I don't know if four sounds like a, a lot or a little to people for a 12 square mile uh, geography. But generally, it takes about three to seven minutes to get picked up after you request a ride in the app or by phone. So I feel like that's you know a better track record than using a different ride hailing app in Memphis. Uh, and then the average trip is less than 10 minutes to your destination, and that includes ride sharing. So even if there's more than one person in the vehicle with you, it's you're there pretty quickly. And does the app show you where your where your vehicle is, like on yes. Uber, where you can say, "Why yeah. is that car stuck three blocks from here?" Yep, you can see them coming. <laughs> so where's their the progress? Where's the um. I mean, what's the response been and who's riding and um, yeah. have you have you gathered, you know, some information about the ridership, the riders? Yes, um, that's a great question. So um, like we mentioned a little bit earlier in the conversation, this this new iteration is kind of group 2.0 uh, based off of uh, improving the service from the original group shuttle that operated for the medical district. What we're seeing is that we have a lot of riders from that original service who were still using it. So that's great that we have those kind of, uh, I, I guess, legacy users, I might say. Um, our goal is to get 500 weekly riders uh, in the first year of the pilot. And so we started in February. We're about six months in. We're at almost um, almost a weekly average of 300 plus riders okay. right now. So we're more than halfway to that first year goal for ridership metrics. Um, and then as far as where people are going, we see a really good uh, spread of hotspots on our heat map as far as destinations for pickup and drop off. Uh, but we're seeing a lot of commuting, a lot of people going downtown into the medical district. We see a lot of people going home. So apartment uh, apartments, complexes on Harbor Town and in South Memphis and then the medical district. We see a lot of ridership coming from there. And then we see people taking trips to the grocery store a lot as well. Right now, uh, the Kroger at Cleveland and Poplar is included in the zone. So we see a lot of people going to Kroger. And how are you, you mentioned that, you know, Matta was sort of doing the marketing communication. I'm sort of wondering about 
how you're getting the word out, especially to people that are, um, that it's not necessarily easy to reach through traditional means of communication um, that don't, you know, necessarily do a lot of email. And um, so what's that, what's that strategy? Because I, because I, I definitely personally, you know, working a lot at the neighborhood level, you know, there's communication challenges. And sometimes the people that could benefit the most from a service, just it's difficult to get in touch with them and let them know. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. And that's actually one of the struggles that we've had with the service is really reaching some of the residents, uh, especially in the new Chicago neighborhood where there might be older populations. Um, So we're not going to reach them as easily through social media, through Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, which we're, of course, using all of those, the DMC, MATA, MMDC, all three of these organizations are reaching out through all of their uh, online services. But uh, we've also done uh, residential mailers to the neighborhoods uh, to target every house that we have can get an address for. We've thought about working with MLG and W to try to put some information into your utility bill. That's a great idea. Yeah, we haven't gotten to do it yet, but um, it's on the table. It's something we're trying to work out. We also have done uh, posters, flyers. You know, we're trying to continue our conversations with local community groups, whether that's your faith leader or the store where you go uh, regularly things like that where we can have flyers and posters in the windows. And then we've done uh, signage on like the sides of uh, MATA vehicles. So if you're walking downtown, for instance, you might see a Groove on Demand ad on the side of the trolley stop on Main Street. Yeah, I was very excited when I saw that New Chicago was one of the neighborhoods because that's a neighborhood that's, um, you know, challenged in so many areas. You know, it's a food desert and not a lot of population density up there anymore. So it's a little bit of, I call it the urban prairie. Um, and um, I could totally see that this, this service would be incredibly valuable uh, to them. And then also, but that it would be difficult to communicate. So there'd be some communication challenges. Right. Yeah, and we we still have work to do to get the word out in that area specifically, um, and that's going to be ongoing. You know, I don't I don't think there's ever a, a box that we're going to check off our list and say we've we've talked to enough people, especially in in these neighborhoods where, like you said, there are already transportation issues and things like that that are that are tough on the population. So, is the um, I guess in terms of the. Um you know, the whole local transportation infrastructure system, is this, do you consider this a form of, really a form of transit because it supports the transit system? Is it a hybrid or, um, I don't even know what I'm asking. I'm just sort of trying to figure out, you know, you've got all of these pieces and, um, and, you know, and challenges and, our community is challenged to get people get people to work and to get people where they need to go quickly and efficiently. And um, so anyway, I don't know if that's a question, but let me know. What yeah. You think. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a good question. And that's, it's an interesting question because this is part of the conversation. I think that we're seeing and having uh, about transportation in general nationwide and globally, uh, you know, 
a couple of years ago, no one had ever heard of a, a you know, a shared scooter or a bird scooter or Lime or anything like that. And now they're everywhere, you know, and people kind of scoffed at the idea. And so you're seeing these new uh, technologies and transportation that are easy to access and uh, really easy to, to, to pilot as a new program. And so I, I think that the world of transit is rapidly changing, uh, but it's also, you know, staying the same in a lot of ways as well. People are still going to be using their cars. People are always going to be looking for parking. Um, so this type of on-demand, flexible route, minibus service, Groove On Demand, uh, it is transit, but it's a new way to incorporate the technologies that we all have at our fingertips or that most of us have at our fingertips um, to, to better engage with our environment to reduce the number of trips we have to take in our cars by ourselves, which gets into an environmental conversation. And, you know, to be better stewards of the facilities that we already have. And that includes parking and our resources. And, you know, nobody wants to turn every green space downtown into a parking lot. So we have to find solutions to better use what we have. Well, and I want to go back to and sort of re-ask a question that I asked at the beginning. I mean, one of the one of the challenges that MATA has had historically, and I think will for the foreseeable future, is that it's just too expensive to take buses into, you know, the buses, we can only afford to put the buses on the main corridors, really. It's too expensive to take buses way into the neighborhoods. And on some level, even though I ask about if this was sustainable from a cost perspective, it's probably more cost efficient than, um, for, for transit than to put, try to put a fixed route, you know, pretty much down every street. But having said that, these, these, um, those transit challenges exist everywhere. I mean, they exist in Nutbush and where people live in a neighborhood, you know, off Jackson Avenue, but maybe Jackson Avenue is, you know, three quarters of a mile away. And, um, and so could this, could this kind of, um, innovation, this kind of service, this fan service, could it eventually cover the whole city? That is a good question. And honestly, I don't know. I don't know if that would be the efficient way to go. I think it would be work best as, um, as a way to fill in the gaps, you know, to connect your fixed route conventional bus that everyone knows, you know, how that works to an area where you have the flexible route micro transit system like Groove On Demand. But you know, it's it's not gonna work in a vacuum. And you're totally right with the Nutbush example of maybe you're trying to get, you know, three quarters of a mile down the road, which, you know, in another city with more density, with more pedestrian amenities, with more shops that you're walking past on your sidewalk experience, uh, a more interesting and safe walk. That wouldn't feel like such a such a bad walk to make, but that's another part of our system as well is that we have to think about the pedestrian experience and how we can improve that. Oh, totally, and the sidewalks that whole last mile for sure, no question. Completely. Um, the um, okay, well that's yeah. I'm I mean that's sort of my fantasy, and I guess that's probably unrealistic, but it does it does seem like in terms of expansion 
that maybe a, a logical expansion would be the colleges and universities, also big destinations, um, and maybe, you know, growing to encompass some of them at some point, because, I mean, you obviously you have Southern College of Optometry, you know, the medical school, you've got some uh, educational institutions in that zone now, but it seems to me that would be a, um, that would be a potential area to expand. Yeah, definitely. And there's examples of other cities uh, that we could look to that have done this. Miami-Dade County comes to mind. They, they have several different uh, on-demand microtransit zones uh, with VIA, actually. And um, they're connected through their through their rail transit. So they have, you know, their commuter lines that will take you from one zone to another. And from there, you can get around by foot or through the microtransit program. So people want to um, download the app. Uh, what's the app called if they go to, and I, I'm assuming it's for, you know, for iPhone and for. Um, yes, yes. You can do Android, Android. or iPhone. Um, definitely, if you're if you're looking for it, you can Google Groove on Demand Memphis. Uh, and if you're looking for it in the App Store, it's just called simply Groove on Demand. Uh, and on demand is hyphenated, so you can find it pretty easily. Okay. And I'll post a link to the website in the show notes. So um, anything else about the shuttle that is important that I didn't ask you about? Um, have you tried it? <laughs> well, I, you know what? I would totally use this service because I hate to drive. But I live... Um, basically at McLean and Madison, which is probably not too far. I probably have to walk down to Cleveland mm -hmm. to get it. And, but I would totally use the surface <laughs> if it was available. So I'm cool. waiting for it to be expanded to my, to my neighbor. Cause I moved here from New York to transit all the time. And then even though I'm very close to multiple transit lines, I do not, I rarely use transit because it's just not convenient. Um, I use, you know, of course, Uber and, um, but, um, but I would love this service because I, because I want a driver. I want someone else to drive me. Right. I much prefer it as well. So I can, you know, sip a coffee and read a book or whatever on my commute. So pull some strings and get <laughs> it extended up to, to McLean on sure. the, on the <laughs> East. If you could do that for me, um, I'll yep. be appreciative. Done. <laughs> okay, great. Well, uh, I've been talking to Lauren Bermudez from Downtown Memphis Commission. We've been talking about the Groove On Demand Shuttle, which is an innovative approach to meeting our transit and transportation needs in Memphis. So, Lauren, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. You're listening to Memphis Metropolis on WYXR 91.7 FM. Have you checked out any of WYXR's other shows? You can see the whole program guide on our website at wyxr.org. And while you're there, please consider making a donation. We're a brand new station lifting up everything Memphis, and we need your support. But don't go away. Stay tuned for the rest of the show. Welcome back to the second half of Memphis Metropolis, everybody. 
um, Emily Trenum, and I'm welcoming back one of our regular commentators, Charlie Santo, who's heads up the Division of City and Regional Planning at University of Memphis. So welcome, Charlie. Thank you, Emily. It's good to be back with you in the laundry room again. <laughs> I've, I've, I've missed the laundry room as much as you have. <laughs> the um, so um, just before we started recording, I was just asking, like anything, you know. I know the fall semester is getting ready to start. I'm guessing the this is the first semester of the new doctoral program for the School of Urban Affairs and Public Policy. So you must be excited about that. I am very excited about that. Yeah, we've got a, a good first cohort for the doctoral program, a good mix of full-time students, part-time students, some local folks that have been doing, you know, practitioners here in Memphis for a long time. And we've got some folks that are coming in from other parts of the country and other parts of the world. So we've got a good diverse group. Uh, we're really excited. So what else in particular are you looking forward to this academic year besides that? <laughs> well, funny you should ask. Actually, I'm going to be on sabbatical this fall semester, so I'm going to get to take some time to myself and sort of refocus my research. Um, so that's going to be good for me. One thing that I'm going to be working on is, you know, we've talked a little bit about the, the role of, uh, of uh, songs in, in storytelling and songs about cities and the class that I taught in the spring semester, which was that freshman seminar uh, where we just spent a, an hour every week listening to songs about cities. I'm, I'm thinking about how to weave that into my research agenda and, you know, possibly thinking about a book proposal uh, that looks at sort of telling the evolution of American cities uh, through, through song. So that's what I'm looking forward to is taking some time uh, oh wow! Research. Yeah. I love th I love that idea. That's amazing. So, but but let me just be clear: you're not taking a sabbatical from Memphis Metropolis. No, 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 no. This is part of my me time. <laughs> okay, so this is this is uh, you're not going off. You're not jetting off to England or something. No, like that. I will. I'll be I'll be here uh, <laughs> in the home office. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I look forward to hearing more about that project. It sounds it sounds awesome. It really does. It sounds like a great book proposal. Yeah, we'll see. I think I've, right now I feel like I've got, you know, maybe a chapter. <laughs> so I need to sort of flesh out what the other chapters of the book will be because, you know, I, I don't want to do a, a book proposal and end up submitting something that's 20 pages long. So <laughs> it's not. Well, not I'll mull enough. that over. And, and when we get together, I'll, if I have any bright insights, I'll let you know. All right. I'll take it. So, Charlie, the first half of the show, I had on Lauren Bermudez, who's the transportation program manager for the Downtown Memphis Commission. And we talked, who, who I've never actually met or talked to before, but she impressed me um, just by her knowledge and her enthusiasm um, for innovation in the in the transportation arena. So I was really happy to have her on. So in particular, we were talking about the Groove On Demand Shuttle, which is a essentially an outgrowth of um, of the Groove Shuttle, which the the medical district collaborative started a couple years ago to really to bring people into into the medical institutions from you know, Harbor Town and Mud Island and downtown to to increase, you know, people use different transportation modes, uh, reduce surface parking. That was very successful. And they've expanded that to um, 
to other neighborhoods and it doesn't it's not a fixed route anymore per se it now is really on demand um you you sort of use an app or you call and they pick you up in selected neighborhoods and then they take you to your destination within the zone so so i guess just um just i've got some specific things i want to talk about but what are your what were your initial reflections to our discussion yeah, I thought it was really fascinating. And I I always learn a lot by sort of listening to your conversations on the first half of the show. You know, I, when you sent me um, the, the the idea for this show, I thought, oh, yeah, I know about the Groove Shuttle. So, <laughs> so I actually learned, learned a lot because I didn't realize that it had evolved from just this, you know, fixed route shuttle in, in the medical district to this much larger service area now. Uh, so I think it's really great that they're connecting medical district and downtown and trying to branch out into some of these historically underserved neighborhoods like New Chicago. Um, so there's a lot going on there. I didn't even realize that the DMC had a transportation program manager. So um, so that's good to know. Well, you know, it's a partnership between MMDC, DMC, and MATA. And I think it was originally based out of uh, MMDC, which I, I should remind people is before I ring the bell on <laughs> myself right. is the Memphis Medical District Collaborative, which is a you know, community development entity that coordinates and facilitates the redevelopment of the medical district. And they started the Groove on Demand, the Groove, the original Groove Shuttle. And I think this program, the Groove on Demand Shuttle was originally based there. Yeah. Um, and then it made more sense for Downtown Memphis Commission to manage it. And so Lauren went over to the Downtown Memphis Commission, although I think it's technically a program of MATA, just to confuse <laughs> matters even more. Perfect. Yeah, I know that the uh, the medical district, the MMDC, have really had this emphasis on improving mobility within the district and connections to downtown and other neighborhoods. Um, and then, you know, for a while, they've had this mobility menu, which is sort of hey, look at all the different ways there are to get around within the district. And so they've got info about, you know, where to find, explore bike share stations and information about the, the My City Rides scooter program and suggested bike routes for folks. Uh, so they're kind of throwing all kinds of solutions at the problem of mobility, um, connecting to that micro mobility that we talked about a couple of episodes ago. Um, so, you know, I think that's uh, it's really important. It's particularly important in the medical district where they have had such uh, an overemphasis on surface parking. And, I, you know, they're trying to find ways to if we can reduce the number of people that are driving in and parking, we can start to put some of those surface parking lots to, to better, higher uses. Um, so I think it's it's really great that they're making those innovations there. Well, absolutely. And I don't want to get digress too much. Um, but I think I mean, not only are there you know, obviously that's a, a little bit of a hot real estate market. For, so some of those surface parking lots um, are potential real estate opportunities. But also, I, you know, I sort of understand from when that entity just started that, you know, all the institutions have their own parking lots. Right. And so, of course, you have an abundance of parking. And the idea that you could have, you know, shared parking facilities, imagine that. Um, <laughs> so I think a combination of the thinking in new ways about parking and then layering in this mobility hopefully will um, lead to more density in the neighborhood and, you know, certainly better transportation systems. But yeah. the, uh, but, and I meant, we mentioned this a little bit um, and I don't know whether you had a chance to look at it, the, the media about this, but 
Matt also introduced another shuttle yeah. earlier this week, which is serving the Whitehaven Westwood area. And that's a little bit different that in, in the sense that I think it's designed to bring people to um, on sort of that last mile or two from in deep in the neighborhoods, bring them to a major transportation, a, a major transit line. So you would, if you lived in a, you know, sort of a mile or so off of Elvis Presley Boulevard, for example, you could use an app or call. It would take you there. So, um, and so I think this is, I mean, these are kind of two different models, but, but I'm happy to see matter being innovative mm-hmm. and and certainly looking at some best practice from around the country bringing them here but also i mean we have talked a lot about the you know the difficulty of really reaching everyone that needs to be served through yeah. the, the legacy the transit system yeah the fixed route transit system yeah and so matt is trying to be a little bit more nimble here and uh, go to this on-demand transit approach which is something that we're seeing uh, a lot more in in other cities, um, and yeah. So this this pilot program that they're doing in that that Boxtown Westwood Whitehaven area, um, I think is you know definitely worth trying. Um, their goal is to you know when you call in, they'll come pick you up somewhere within ten to twenty minutes, and it's really encouraging to see that this is uh, an effort to implement some of the planning that was done as part of Memphis 3.0, our our long term. Uh, comprehensive plan. As part of that, there was a transit vision plan. They identified these communities that have these greater mobility needs and low access to things like main roads for travel. And that was one area, particularly that Boxtown area, being able to take people from, you know, kind of the southwest portion of the city and connect them to areas where there are more opportunities to connect the transit, like in in, in the rest of Whitehaven. Um, so it's interesting to see that. Uh, I think it's it's an evolving approach. This on-demand transit. There's, we see a lot of private companies and and tech companies getting into this space and partnering with cities. So the the Groove Shuttle is a partnership with a, a private company called Via Transportation. Um, there's another company that's done this sort of on-demand approach. There's a lot of these, but there's a tech company called Pantonium. Uh, that has worked in a couple of cities in Canada, and they've done a project in Rogers, Arkansas, not too far from here. Um, and they have this, uh, it's kind of a tech solution where they have this automated fleet routing. So Rogers is a city of like 70,000 people. And previously they had a, a single fixed bus route serving the entire city, um, which is really hard to do. And so they've instead switched to this, we've got the same fleet of buses, but they're being deployed on demand. And they have this autonomous system where when you enter your your location, your destination in the app, it takes everybody that's entering their location and destination and optimizes the route that the driver should go to pick people up and drop them off, which I imagine is similar to what's being used by Via in the in the Groove partnership. Um, so that's that's a new sort of uh, tech solution. And I think it's interesting. It's It's definitely, like I said, worth trying. It is something that can solve a problem in a small city like Rogers, Arkansas, uh, or within a certain part of a larger city, right? If you have a district or an area in the city where people tend to move around within that district a lot, uh, it makes a lot of sense. So it makes a ton of sense for the medical district and connecting to downtown because that's the kind of place where people are going to take short trips, right? You got to make one stop at this doctor's office and go for a follow-up visit or you want to go downtown. Um, But... 
is it a long-term permanent solution for, for a city like Memphis? I think there's more to be done. I mean, we have this geographically enormously large city and we still need a system that can connect someone from a neighborhood like Frazier to the intermodal freight transfer facility. And how do we get there with this, you know, you're drawing a small area for an on-demand service. Uh, well, that's, I mean, I, I'm, she and I talked, Lauren and I talked about that because I, I think I used the example of Nutbush. Mm -hmm. I mean, I do think the, this, this system, the Groove On Demand shuttle could expand to um, into other, you know, fairly dense areas and which we have quite a, you know, we have quite a bit of, um, you know, relative density um, <laughs> in, in some of our urban neighborhoods. And I could definitely see it expanding and being successful. The, but we have, we just have so many people living in suburban style yeah. neighborhoods, but, um, but it's, but Matta can't afford to run buses. I mean, that's the bottom line is, you know, Matta can't afford to pick somebody up who lives, you know, three quarters of a mile off Jackson. I'm just using that as an example. Sure. Um, and um, I mean, I just know from working on past transit plans, it just isn't feasible. Yeah. And so, and I don't, I don't remember transit, what other recommendations transit vision have, but like what, how do you, I mean, we talk about the city and the county need to support transit. I'm all over that. But what <laughs> what can we do to the person in Nutbush or the person in Fraser who needs to get to work? Well, a couple of things. So, I mean, I'll talk about the maybe new ways to think about it. I do think at the end of the day, we need to continue to focus on actually financially supporting a real regular transit system. Uh, and we can come back to that. But if you think about the the on-demand pilot approach that they're trying in Westwood Whitehaven, essentially what you have is a, is a box, right? Or a rectangle that this transit service is available within. So it's kind of on the, the top of that box is uh, the bottom of the I-240 loop. Uh, the bottom of the box is homes. The west is kind of the west of the city. And then it goes over to I-55. And you can move around within that box um, which is great. Like it helps people get get to the grocery store or whatever. But people are going to want to get out of that box and get to get to jobs. And so I wonder if we can start to think about creating more of those zones in which on-demand transit functions, but also starts to connect people to um, more frequently running bus service on a kind of a rapid transit line. So we get people from one zone to another. You can move them around within the zone, but then you also have connectors between the zones, right? So maybe you're saying you can get from that Whitehaven box to a box that's the intermodal transit facility with a connecting route. And well, I'm sure I think, Matt is thinking about that. But well, I, and I, well, and I think that's the idea is that you yeah. take, you call the shuttle, they bring it Elvis Presley Boulevard, and then you, you know, you ride it. So, so it sounds like what you might be saying is that potentially that model might be a little bit more replicable in some other, if it's successful, the right. Whitehaven Westwood model might ultimately be more rep replicable in other parts. Cause you know, Whitehaven, that's not a dense area. Right. So that could be, um, there could be a Frazier box and there could exactly. be a Hickory Hill box and those, and then obviously you've got to make, I mean, maybe there's more frequent service on those main arteries mm -hmm. and, better connections so you don't necessarily have to go downtown to or go to American Way. But okay, this is making sense to me. Yeah. I mean that's that's one thought. 
And then, you know, this we have to be mindful of evolving technology, um, particularly things like in, in the transportation sector, autonomous vehicles, driverless cars, those things are coming. Uh, if we kind of just, if cities just kind of sit back and wait for private entrepreneurs and tech companies to determine what that looks like, uh, we're going to end up with cities, the built environment changing kind of at the whim of tech companies. If we're more proactive about it, we can use that technology to start address, solve these problems. So if you think about like these tech companies that are already doing this autonomous fleet routing for buses with drivers and start to apply that to a, a fleet of shared driverless cars, uh, then rather than having a giant bus roaming the streets on a fixed route, mostly empty, you have much smaller vehicles picking up two or three people at a time. Uh, and there have been models done on what that would look like in terms of this sort of shared fleet of driverless cars. Um, and the models really kind of indicate that you can replace, um, if we're thinking about a world where people just get around by driving, you can replace 10 or 11 household vehicles with one of these shared cars because they can transport multiple people. The rub on that is that you reduce the number of cars, but the total number of vehicle miles traveled actually goes up uh, because those shared vehicles are not only driving the people around, but then they're repositioning themselves while empty between between trips. Um, so not there's not that's not really an ideal system, uh, but that's something that is is out there to think about. And then in the meantime, before we even have driverless cars, think about the fact that the average automobile sits parked idle 91% of the time. Yeah, we've talked about this. <laughs> is there some way to operationalize those vehicles and let people start, you know, tapping into these algorithms and be driving driving people around? Well, you know, the funny thing is, and I mentioned this to Lauren, that that I um, that I've used via in other cities. And it's, I mean, maybe it's via now has a new business model, but I've used it via service in other cities and it's similar to Uber, but there's multiple people in the car. Mm -hmm. And those are, those were private passenger cars. That was someone who, instead of being an Uber driver was a via driver and, and, oh. or, and Uber, when I was in California, Uber had a similar service, you know, private car or shared car. Yeah. And, but it was still, it was still a private vehicle. So absolutely I could see, um, I could see for sure it has to be a demand for it, but private vehicles filling, sort of filling that gap. Yeah. So one of the things, well, let me just say this. Um, if you're just joining us, you're listening to Memphis Metropolis on WYXR 91.7 FM. And I'm talking to Charlie Santo, one of our regular commentators, and we're talking about the Groove on a Man shuttle and also some interesting strategies for improving transit in Memphis. One of our one of the topics we, we <laughs> return to over and over. Um, and well, the, the driverless cars idea as a, as a supplement to transit or a part, I had not really thought about that, but mm -hmm. it's, that's interesting to even, it's hard to wrap my brain around that, that, that yeah. in Memphis, but it's probably, we're probably going to have it at some point. Yeah. I mean, I think every time I think about this, my, my planning sensibilities kind of go all jumbled because I'm like, I'm talking about trying to put more people in cars, which is not what we're supposed to do as planners. Uh, but the system that we built is really inequitable to those who can't afford a, a car, right? We, we think that, well, the solution for you, poor folks, is to ride the bus. But, I mean, that's, that's, that's not really fair and just uh, with the system that we built. So kind of as a... I won't say along those lines, but related. Um, one thing Lauren and I talked about that I wanted to ask you about 
is one thing that Mata has struggled with is attracting choice riders, you know, people who ride transit because they they who they have a car, but they have choices. They have choices. Let's just say they have transportation yeah. choices, but they ride transit because they want to, because it's convenient, it's affordable. Sometimes it's just because they want to support transit. They're interested in, you know, energy efficiency. And but Meta has not had a lot of luck attracting uh, those riders because the system isn't convenient. It's, it's not frequent. It's not really consistent a lot of times. And even with there's apps now that tell you where the bus is. I'm sure they've they've introduced some things to improve that. Mm-hmm. But this but the group on demand shuttle seems to me like um, an opportunity. Like I would for sure ride this. I don't like to drive, and um, I would definitely ride this if it was available to me. I do use Uber and Lyft, and especially for short trips. So do you think, and it seems to me I'm not the only one, that um, it could be popular and maybe get more choice riders just being part of the transit system generally? Uh, yeah, I, I think that's probably true. Um you know, I think that if I if I lived in one of those apartment buildings in the medical district of downtown, I would find this very appealing, um, particularly for those short trips within that area, uh, because you know you don't want to have to park and go somewhere else and park again. If you can get a an on demand uh, shuttle to drive you around, then it's that's pretty convenient. Right? It's kind of just like having your own car, right? You, you you eliminate the extra five minute walk to the wherever you find street parking. Um, so I think that it would be very, very appealing and could be the kind of thing that introduces people to the idea of, you know, getting on, getting in another vehicle, uh, with someone taking you. And I think, you know, people, people that have not grown up riding the bus, uh, or spent time living in cities where it's more of a common thing, there's a, not only a, there's a, maybe a bit of a stigma with it, but it's also kind of a, a fear of, I don't know how to do this, right? I don't know. What am I supposed to do when I get on the bus? Do I hand the guy my money? Do I have to have a, a ticket? Um, so anything that kind of introduces people to, eases them into using something that is, uh, it, we call it a micro transit, um, I think could help be that good kind of gateway drug <laughs> to get people thinking about, all right, I can use transit for other things as well. Well, and ultimately, we always say that the number one enemy of um, of transit is, you know, of, of really of choice riders is, you know, plentiful, free or cheap parking. Parking, yeah. <laughs> and I, th- I mean, even now, I mean, if I drove downtown, I could, I could find something that was less than the bus cost. Mm. Um, but I go downtown a lot. I know the nooks and crannies and the, you know, the one way streets and stuff. And I think that's getting less true downtown and for sure in the medical district. Yeah. Like when I go over to the edge, um, for lunch or something like parking's at a premium. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, the, the the more we can take away those incentives for people to drive, uh, the, the more likely we are to get people thinking of alternative means of getting around. So what other, I mean, we talked about autonomous cars and um, which I had not really thought about, but it's, it's just seems like, and, and this is, I, maybe I'm making an obvious point that, you know, technology is really pushing, um, 
these innovations and sort of changing the way that we, you know, think about transit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think, well, the other thing we need to change in terms of the way we think about transit is that we tend to think about transit providers and expect them to have success like we expect private businesses to have success, which means we expect them to operate uh, off of their fares, that they have more revenue than they do cost. Um, but that's not that's not the reality, I and mean, it shouldn't be the reality because this is a public service, right? So we have to think about what is the role of government. Um, and for a transit agency to, to operate in that kind of way where they've got more revenue coming in than they have costs means that they have to have a ton of ridership. And we supposed to, we also expect them to have this huge coverage area and serve everybody, but you don't have riders everywhere. So we have to change our mindset about how we expect transit agencies to work and recognize that they need to be subsidy, subsidized uh, and really start to think about this as um, really an, not just a transportation issue, but an economic development issue, an anti-poverty right. initiative. Um, so we, you know, if you think about the, the all the conversation that's gone on about the moral budget, you know, kind of being pushed by Stanford Children and building Memphis and MICA, um, that moral budget, which we could have accomplished by just simply not cutting our property tax rate, you know, there there could have there could have been thirty million dollars in there in additional funding for MATA, which is the amount that they needed to pull off what they had outlined in the transit vision plan, which would increase the frequency of bus trips and cut one-way trips on most routes to under an hour. Um, so I think we need to keep our eyes on that prize. And yeah, we can do all these sort of little interventions and in, in micro-mobility and micro-transit, um, but not let that become something that is sort of a, a distraction that we think of as a panacea when it's really, it works in some places, right? It's good for moving people around within those districts and there are certain districts where that makes sense. And maybe we need to rethink how we connect zones to high frequency transit, um, but we can't let it distract us from the fact that, you know, we really need a fully functioning transit system and that requires financial support. So really uh, it's all about, you know, serving the people and, you know, in increasing opportunities, quality of life for our residents. There you go. Yeah, you and I understand that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we I'll just, yeah, we do. <laughs> we'll leave it there. Okay, Charlie, this has been a great discussion. Um, I've been talking to Charlie Santo with the City Regional Planning Department at University of Memphis. And Charlie, I appreciate your time. And I will look forward to your commentary again very soon. All right. Thanks, Emily. You've been listening to Memphis Metropolis on WYXR 91.7 FM. I'm Emily Trenum. Memphis Metropolis airs every Monday at 1, so please tune in again next week. You can listen to past programs on our program page at wyxr.org or on memphismetropolis.com. You can also follow us and send feedback on social media. Now, stay tuned for Memphis Undercover with Nancy.